the only thing I could think of is just like do it. You know, you don't. The nice thing about the way that things work now, there is a kind of democracy. You don't need to wait for permission. And if you're doing something that's that's fresh, that's different, and I think there's like a lot of room for that too. Um, I think people will take notice. I'm Peter Creighton, and welcome to The Looking Glass, a program that examines the stories behind personal interests. I'm Peter Creighton, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Looking Glass. For this episode, I wanted to do something a little different. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak to one of my podcasting heroes, Jonathan Goldstein. If you're not familiar with Jonathan Goldstein, let me provide you with a little background. Goldstein first began his career in radio by working on This American Life with Ira Glass. Then, for 11 seasons, Goldstein was the host of his own CBC radio series called Wiretap. This was where I was first introduced to his work. When Wiretap concluded in September 2015, Goldstein began work on his new series for Gimlet Media entitled Heavyweight. This interview was a really big deal for me. In my opinion, Goldstein is the best audio storyteller today. The way he's able to craft a theme for an episode and then build up on it just utterly blows me away. In fact, Goldstein's unique brand of storytelling is one of the main inspirations for me starting my own podcasting series. So being able to speak to him was like a Padawan speaking to a Jedi Master. So, for today's episode, I wanted to share with you my entire conversation with Jonathan Goldstein. In our conversation, Goldstein and I basically discuss his entire career, from his days writing audio essays to his current project of heavyweight. Wiretap, college radio, and many other topics are covered in this wide-ranging conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So I just kind of want to go back and start at the beginning with you. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how you first, quote unquote, discovered radio? Um, well, I didn't come from a household that really listened to um, public radio, you know, or the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Corporation. We were more of like an oldie station kind of house. I, I would say that I sort of discovered this kind of um, radio documentary sort of radio through through This American Life, uh, before it was a podcast, uh, and it was easily uh, heard in Canada, where I'm from, uh, it, I, would, I would listen to it stream on real player, you know, over a 56K modem on the internet. I think that was, this, like, it just excited me. It, it felt, it just sort of felt like, it, it it had a kind of aesthetic that that made sense to me, you know, that connected with me. I, I really I liked the voices that I heard on it, and I kind of felt like I want like that that was a world that I wanted to inhabit. That's that's awesome. Now, would you say then that this American Life is kind of what inspired you to say, okay, I'm going to become an audio storyteller now? I mean, I don't know if it was if it was right when we never there was never this kind of like audio storyteller kind of language. I mean, I around that time, maybe even before This American Life, I was doing radio essays on the CBC, 
And um, at that time, it, it, you know, I wasn't thinking of radio as a language to learn in and of itself. It was more about, like, I was a writer, and I was a writer that wasn't getting a lot of traction, but I found that um, I was able to find a place for, for my writing on the radio. So initially, it was just sort of like, you know, like a megaphone. It was a vehicle for this writing that I was doing. It was only when I started at This American Life, I think I started thinking more of more about it in terms of like, you know, as you would say, like audio storytelling and structuring uh, audio and the ways in which it differs from from work that that you, you you know that you that you create for the page, and uh, and also in a lot of ways it differed from the podcast landscape because you were just assuming that people were flipping stations and you had uh, to keep them engaged and vibe attention in a different way than with podcasts, you know, where, where it's kind of like destination listening. That's interesting. And I, I, that's kind of leading into a question I have a, a little bit later on, but I, I want to real quick go to, you have a, an excellent new series um, called Heavyweight. It debuted about a year ago from Gimlet Media, and it came on the heels of, of another series that you did, uh, Wiretap, for 10 years that came to an end. Um, can you talk yeah, a little bit? Yeah, 11 years even, actually. Oh, it was 11 years. Oh, man. I, I got to yeah, just... Yeah, 11 seasons, yeah. I got to just real um, quick as a sidebar, absolutely love Wiretap. That's actually what kind of inspired me to really get into doing audio storytelling myself in that, is hearing that show. Oh, that's, that's that's really nice. I, I'm I'm curious uh, what in particular. It feels as though like there's a, like a lot of different um, threads to, to to that thing. You know, there's like people who would write in and be like, I really like the writing, but I don't like the goofing around on the phone. And then there'd be people who would be like, I love the phone calls, I just don't like the writing. You know. You know, I was that oddball. I loved it all. I loved the fact that you had. You would do a monologue and you would have a very serious monologue where you contemplate, you know, your topic for the show. And then you would have that interview with that expert when you would talk about it. And then you'd have that goofy sketch with, you know, Howard or Gregor yeah. or your dad. Yeah. And I would just sit there in my office and just go, wow, here's a guy that's really literally able to do it all and make it work. And it just, it, it totally fascinated me. And it, it still does. I still go back from time to time and listen to uh, a lot of the old episodes. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'll, I'll sometimes find clips, uh, from the show in my email. Like if I'm searching for an email, I'll find something unrelated that has like an MP3 attached to it that, uh, I was intending to send to a friend who was on the show you know, like say Josh or something, it would be like just a little clip from the show just to let them know how the editing is coming along. And I'll listen to it, not even remembering it because it was from so long ago and just laughing and being, you know, amused all over again, uh, which is a really nice feeling. But now you have this really great new show that I'm loving. It's it's called Heavyweight from Gimlet Media. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you, you developed this idea of Heavyweight and how it came about? I think, uh, it, you know, it took, it took a long time to figure out, like, what I was going to do that was, that was new. And in the end, it really came down to a very simple thing, which was, I, I, in the end, I just found a common denominator among all of my interests. Like, I started with just pursuing the stories that interested me. 
And um, in, a lot, in a lot of ways, it was sort of like an extension of Wiretap in that these stories dealt with people that I find just interesting and funny and kind of fascinate me. And, and, and finding uh, the stories, you know, that, 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 that were a part of their life that we didn't really have the, the space or the, the budget or the, um, the scope, I guess, to pursue on Wiretap. Because Wiretap was more of like um, a studio show. And I think the idea behind Heavyweight was I wanted to do something that existed in, firmly in the nonfiction camp that would be out in the world outside the studio and also long form, you know, like have these stories that have many beats to them um, and, and could just be like one story for an entire episode. And in the end, I mean, I, I think like to answer your question, like the, the thing that I saw was that I was very interested in the way that the past and this and, you know, like the way that the past, you know, it, it impacts the present just as a kind of person who leans towards uh, that kind of backwards looking regretfulness um and, and uh i remember my wife uh emily condon who uh who uh, works at this american life i think ira glass at some point had asked her like so what my new show is going to be about and she said oh it's going to be about you know jonathan revisiting the past to make sense of stuff that's happening in the present for himself and for his subjects and ira said oh so it's basically just like every single other story that he's ever done <laughs> Which I think is like true, you know, and I think, um, and 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 uh, and and it just felt kind of like, you know, it 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 uh, was aligned with my interest enough, and it and it seemed broad enough to to just kind of do the things that I wanted to do under that umbrella. You know, there's so much there that I I'd love to just unpack because, you know, now that you mention it, it is a really field based program where you're out traveling talking with these people so you have a whole set of challenges there but it, yeah it, it it really is true you know not that you say with it um you know in in preparing for this interview i went back and i listened to about four episodes i listened to the one with um your dad and his brother uh-huh. which is a, a just an incredible great first episode the julia episode with the bullies coming to her door and wondering what that was just yeah. it you know really powerful powerful stuff you know i i love the gregor and moby one too i mean here you know those familiar with wiretap know gregor as this character yeah. but and then you you just go and humanize them you know as, as as you are doing this and you're the narrator you're the creator of this how do you handle like all of those emotional aspects that you see either people that you're very close friends with or just people that you know going through all these emotional like ups and downs, like it's like you're trying to be that like fly on the wall and you're letting your, your guests go through whatever emotional experience they're going through. How do you just kind of either try and pull that emotion out of them or how do you almost like get out of their way and just kind of let them go through whatever processes it is that they're going through and then you just get it to tape? Well, a lot of times, I mean, in terms of things you're describing, I mean, it's a matter of, um, of having those those kind of uh, emotions emerge out of conversation with someone that's key to the you know like for Gregor it was having this kind of conversation with Moby for my father he was having this conversation with his brother Sheldon who he hadn't really talked to in 40 years and probably had never talked with in this kind of emotional way and just sort of sometimes allowing 
the, you know, I, I would say like an answer to that, that interviewing or being, being in the field with a microphone is different than a social setting. It's similar in some ways, but it's different in the way that in a, say you're at a cocktail party and there's an awkward silence, you want to fill it because that's proper etiquette. Um, the, the difference with, uh, you know, being out in the field with a microphone is sometimes, you know, emotion can emerge out of the awkwardness of the silence and you don't want to undo that and you want to allow that to breathe. And sometimes that could be uncomfortable, you know, but I don't think there's usually an outpouring of emotion or without, without some degree of discomfort. So I think it's like a matter of creating, hopefully creating a context for these conversations to take place and as much as possible, just getting out of the way. And then also having the benefit of, of hindsight when you're actually sitting with the tape and editing it and writing the story and gazing back on it and re-listening to it and listening to it over and over, pouring through it, you hopefully have a kind of eureka moment where you're able to perceive something that you couldn't in the moment when you're engaged with it, you know what I mean? And hopefully extract some, some, some thought about it uh, that approaches and it sounds grandiose, but like some little bit of wisdom. I, I, I got to ask, um, is there any updates of, uh, uh, about season two, uh, you know, episodes that you're working on or, or anything that you might be able to share about season two? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, working on, I would say, like at this point, about six or seven stories all at once, hoping that they pan out. Like, the, you know, I mean, the thing about the, the difference between Wiretap and Heavyweight is that with Wiretap, the, the fact that it, it kind of toggled between fiction and nonfiction allowed me the control to, you know, finish stories um, with a tighter deadline, you know, in that, um, I can kind of create and, and invent things wholesale, whole cloth, you know, the, a lot of these stories, you know, I mean, the excitement of doing things in the, in the real world is that, you, you know, you, there are all kinds of surprises and stuff, but the downside is sometimes you just end up, um, hitting a lot of dead ends, uh, waiting on people. So there's a lot of that. It's a lot of hope, too, you know, this, that it's going to work out because you invest so much time in these stories. But I would say what we're looking at, and hopefully this isn't, like, overly optimistic, there should be, there should be something out before the end of the year. I'm right now talking with, with Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap and heavyweight and creator of both of those programs. You know, you're one of the, in my opinion, one of the best radio producers, radio creators out there today. You know, just your style is so distinct. I mean, it's, it's, we really, when you listen to a Jonathan Goldstein production, you know you're listening to a Jonathan Goldstein production. So I'm kind of curious what your take's going to be on this. You know, I work at a university. Um, I have students who are looking to get into broadcasting, um, whether it's, it's video or, or audio, but they're always told that radio is dying. So I'm curious, do you see radio as dying or do you see uh, it going through like another stage of its evolution? So from your viewpoint, what do you see as the overall state of radio and podcasting right now? 
Boy, I'm, I'm never really very, attu- I'm not attuned to that kind of thing. I mean, I, to me, it's sort of like, God, and I swear I've never, I've never quoted Billy Joel before, but it's sort of like that dumb song of his, it's still rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yeah. know that song? Yeah, yeah. Um, where he's talking about punk and this and that. I mean, to me, it's all kind of radio. And I think pod, the, the name podcast is a little bit of a silly name. I, and to have that as a profession, I sometimes feel a little embarrassed by calling myself a podcaster. I don't know why. Maybe it's a generational thing. But um, I, I think I, that, you know, I think when, when you say that radio is going to die, they mean that it will be, like audio will always exist, right? Or yeah. do they think that's not even? They think that's not going to exist. But terrestrial radio, like real time yeah. radio, may not. Yeah, I, I think uh, what they're. I think what they tend, from my perspective, I think what they are trying to say is the current state of like commercial broadcast radio. It's just it's dull and it's boring. But because right. it's dull and it's boring, it's going to go away at some point because no one listens to it. Like they did say in the 80s or the 70s or, or, or things like that. But for students who are looking to get into that field, you know, they sometimes get a little disconcerned where it's like, you know, am I getting into an industry that's going to be gone in five, ten years and everything? Well, it, it, you know, it, on the flip side of it is, like, when I started doing, when I, you know, started learning radio production, there were no jobs for it. I mean, it was just basically that kind of radio production existed at This American Life, and maybe it was the beginning of Radio Lab. It's kind of like, you know, this sort of like documentary radio. I mean, it's always existed, you know, um, you know, on, on, on CBC and public radio, but there wasn't, I mean, now people are, you, you know, you're being sought out. I know Gimlet, you know, is always looking for good radio editors. You know, you have the potential to probably... Um, be in more demand and earn more money than 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 it was 20 years ago. I mean, I I would say that the beginning of I don't I don't know that Wiretap would have had the same uh, resonance or would have been like if 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 Wiretap and you know this show that kind of um, people found on on the radio dial by chance, who are listening to the CBC, this very kind of newsy uh, medium, and stumble across this thing of two guys arguing on a telephone, they would, they were kind of initially, like, what the hell is this, you know, in, in a way that was hopefully intriguing, it was intriguing to some, maybe not everybody, and they didn't expect, you know, for fiction, also, in that context, and I think if that show had, you know, was never on the radio, and was uh, just just you know came out as a podcast and was framed in, in that way. I think it would make a different kind of impact. I think it wouldn't have the same uh, "what the hell is this" aspect to it. And I think something would be lost. Like I, I I love I keep a radio in the kitchen and I just like flipping the dial and I like the randomness of it and I like the comfort of it and. Uh, it's you know it's sort of like when you're in college and you are forced to read books and you're exposed to things that you wouldn't normally be exposed to. It's very different than if your tastes are catered to, and you have an app that says, "Oh, if you like this kind of book, then you'll enjoy this kind of book." Sometimes it's it's nice to have 
something random dropped on you. Yeah. Because I think there's, there's an opportunity to just discover something new and, and, you know, maybe grow in some way. You, you said the, the magic word and I gotta, I gotta ask you about this because I work at a college radio station and yeah. I'm just kind of curious, you know, what do you see college radio's role in, in like the larger industry of, of, of radio and, and broadcasting? What does, what role does college radio serve in your opinion? You know, again, like this is so outside my my field of knowledge. Um, I, you know, I came to I never worked in college radio. I kind of came at it in a very sideways sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though that the first time that I was ever on the radio was on a college radio station in Montreal. It was a it was a station called CKUT that came out of McGill, and it was for a show called Dykes on Mics. I don't know if you'd even be able to have a show called that. Maybe you could. And I remember being nervous about it. And I remember the producer very kindly saying to me, look, you know, the beautiful thing about radio is that it's ephemeral. You do it, and then it's out there, and then once it's done, it's finished. And Matt's very, I mean, to bring back to, you know, the different podcasts, now the things that you do are archived and are there into perpetuity, and there's something both good and bad about that. There is something kind of cool about something that exists that's just ephemeral. There's something kind of um, that, that, you know, that forces you into the moment about it. And um, I think, like, to bring it back to college radio, I think to give people, as I was given, like just an opportunity to kind of... um, you know, sit in front of a microphone and and have just all the accoutrements of 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 being a pro allows you to just kind of like think your way through. To, you know, to have a time to experiment and to be playful is, in retrospect, it's like you you will realize it's so it's so golden. It is. Um, you know, I think it will it will fuel and feed if it's going to be your career. It'll 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 fuel you for decades to come. Awesome. You know, in some ways, like you're 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 discovering your voice right now, and with 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 a different set of stakes. You know, you should be you should be able to have some fun. You should be able to take some risks, and, and you know, it, it seems like the place to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right with that. I got one final question for you, and again, yeah. you know, just thank you so much for for doing this. Do no, have... really, it's my pleasure. I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, what, what you're saying uh, is very nice. It's very it's very nice to hear. Oh, I'm I'm glad. I'm really glad. Um, do you have any advice for any aspiring audio storytellers out there that might be might be listening? What advice would you give them? I mean, I I, I think. The, the only thing I can think of is just like, do it. You know, you don't, the nice thing about the way that things work now, there is a kind of democracy. You don't need to wait for permission. And if you're doing something that's, that's fresh, that's different. And I think there's like a lot of room for that too. Um, I think people will take notice. And, uh, you know, like if you look at the iTunes charts, I mean, there's a lot of shows that are, you know, high production and, you know, come from companies and then other things that are more lo-fi, 
you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that come out of people's basements and garages and stuff. And if it's, you know, if it has heart, if it feels like it has a new kind of honesty to it, uh, if it just touches people in whatever way, if it's funny in a way that people jive with or, you know, what have you, it's, it's going to make a splash. And I think like the, the best advice I can give is just like in the beginning, uh, just try things out. You know what I mean? Like it takes a long time to discover your voice and, you know, now, now's the time to do it. And, and it never ends, you know, I mean, I, I for, for myself, I feel like in many ways it doesn't get easier. Um, it continues to be hard. It continues to take a lot of time. And in some ways it's a blessing because it, it keeps it fresh. You know, you don't, you can't, you can't get lazy. And, and every new story feels like a new beginning and makes you feel like you're at the start of something and all of your experience comes to bear. But in some ways it just doesn't like you're staring at a blank slate. And that was my conversation with Jonathan Goldstein. After we concluded, my head was spinning with new ideas and inspirations for this series, The Looking Glass. I hope to begin implementing these new ideas on the very next episode. I'm not entirely sure yet when the new episode will be released, but I'm really excited about the new direction I'm about to take with this series. I hope that you will find the new formatting styles engaging and entertaining. Some of them may work, some of them may not, but that's the fun with experimenting with new storytelling methods. This edition of The Looking Glass was written, recorded, and edited by Peter Creighton. The Looking Glass was created by Stephen Anderson and me, Peter Creighton. A special thanks goes to Jonathan Goldstein. Season 2 of Goldstein's new series, Heavyweight, is due out at the end of October. The official website of the series is gimletmedia.com heavyweight. Check it out. For more information on The Looking Glass, please visit our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com slash lookingglasspodcast. You can also email the show at thelookingglasspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Peter Creighton, and cheers. <laughs>